Today is a most important day of the year. The slide said it's a feast, but actually it's even bigger than a feast. It's a solemnity of the ascension of the Lord. This is always mentioned in the Creed, and it's often mentioned in the Eucharistic prayer every week. So it's a pretty important day. Now, in the Northeast United States, the Ascension was celebrated this past Thursday. And I joked on Facebook that the music ministers of St. John 23rd Parish would not be allowed to sing Up, Up, and Away unless they dressed like the fifth dimension. <laughs> They're not dressed that way, so we can't do it. And Up, Up, and Away is not the main point of the Ascension. Yes, the psalm in the second reading today emphasized that Jesus now sits at the right hand of the Father. It's proof of his divinity, his relationship with his Father, and his unique role in salvation. But if that's all the ascension is about, that doesn't have much impact on our day-to-day -day living. It seems kind of silly for all those Yankee Catholics and Catholics in Omaha, Nebraska, to go to Mass on Thursday for that. Now, our prayers also talk of another aspect that I just want to pre give you a preview. Last night I just read the prayer and I thought, they probably have no idea what that means since they can't see it capitalized here. We do also talk about the ascension of we're all part of the body of Christ. Jesus is the head of the body and he precedes us to heaven. That's part of what we're celebrating today too. But there's another aspect that I think is really the key and we'll hear about that in the first reading in the gospel our gospel is from Matthew. You remember Matthew, my favorite gospel? We have not heard from Matthew since Easter Sunday. And there's a reason for that, and we'll get to that today, about why we haven't heard from Matthew. And that really, that reading will hint at why this is so important to our daily lives. If we read the entirety of the final chapter of the gospel of Matthew... We may feel as if we missed something. It's a pretty short chapter. It only has four scenes in it. It starts with two women named Mary going to the tomb on Easter Sunday and being greeted by an angel. And he says, Jesus has been raised and gone to Galilee. The second scene, the Marys encounter Jesus. And he asks them to tell the apostles to meet him in Galilee. The third scene, the chief priests and the elders bribe the guards to say that Jesus' disciples stole the body. And then the fourth scene is what we just heard here. The apostles meet Jesus in Galilee and gives them this commission. Three sentences is all Jesus says to his apostles after he is raised. All power in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always until the end of the age. That's it. The most influential gospel in the history of Christianity, the Gospel of Matthew, the teaching gospel, says nothing else. For almost 2,000 years, the church has operated from this three-sentence mission statement. Now, when we talk about the ascension, we usually concentrate on that first sentence. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, and Jesus indeed will sit at the right hand of God. But the other two sentences are extremely important. Go and make disciples of all nations, and I am with you to the end of the age. First question, what's the age? And when does it or when did it end? 
Could this be? This, could this be the same Jesus? Remember, this is Matthew, the Jewish, most Jewish of our authors, who in chapter 10 commanded the 12 apostles to go only to the lost sheep of Israel. So don't go out to the pagan territories. And now he says, go out to all nations. Why? How do we put this together? Matthew shows that the passion, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ has ushered in a new age that will continue until the end of time. The beginning of the age was indicated by events that happened the last two times we heard from the Gospel of Matthew here, on Palm Sunday and Easter Sunday. Remember, we haven't heard from Matthew since then because there's nothing else in this Gospel to hear. On both of those days, we heard about an earthquake. An earthquake when Jesus died on the cross and an earthquake when the Marys arrived at the tomb. Now, there were three other things that happened to indicate the age began. First of all, the veil in the temple sanctuary was torn in two. Now, some people debate which veil in the sanctuary they were talking about, but I think that was the veil that protected what was called the Holy of Holies, the actual Ark of the Covenant, the tablets that Moses had received on Mount Sinai. They were kept in this very holy place. The only person who was allowed to go in there was the high priest and only on the high day of the year. That veil was torn in two. The bodies of the saints were raised and we're told on Good Friday that after the resurrection, those saints entered Jerusalem and appeared to many people. And the third thing that ushers in this age is that Jesus received all authority in heaven and on earth. Now, what does Jesus do in this new age now that he has received all authority? He gathers with the 11 apostles back where everything began in Galilee, where he had originally went out to all the lost sheep of Israel, but now he tells them to go out to all nations. Now, how would this have worked if Jesus had not ascended but was still living among us in the flesh, say, in Fort Wayne, Indiana? They laughed last night. Okay, I guess we have some people from Indiana here who are offended by that. Sorry. I think our faith would be a lot less mature. We'd probably just encourage anybody who didn't believe in the gospel to go up to Fort Wayne and talk it out with Jesus themselves, and we'd be off the hook. But Jesus has ascended to heaven. He, ha he was given all authority in heaven and on earth, but now he in turn gives that authority on earth to us. We are the ones who are called to baptize all nations into the body of Christ so that they also share in that authority he has given us. The ascension in a lot of ways is like graduating from college. It forces us to be responsible. Now, we can continue to live on ramen noodles after we graduate, but most of us finally realize it's time to grow up. If we don't have the skills to cook or to make a budget, it's time to learn. And at the ascension, we recognize that the building of the kingdom of God is in our hands. Throughout the Easter season, we've heard from the first letter of Peter which has been explaining to us how to use the authority that Jesus has bestowed on us. Last week, we had one of my favorite passages from 1 Peter. I've actually 
designed several two-hour-long liturgical celebrations around this sentence. So here, one more time from last week. Always be ready to give an explanation to anyone who asks you a reason for your hope. It's up to us to explain our faith. Together, we will discern the answers. We can't just make a phone call to Fort Wayne. One of the most interesting aspects of the ascension is that for once, finally, the disciples remained steadfast, faithful, and confident, even as Jesus disappeared from sight. Why didn't Peter panic as he did when he tried to walk on water? Why didn't the apostles scatter as they did on Good Friday? Apparently, they had seen enough through the resurrection. There was no longer a veil separating the disciples from God. The holy ones had risen from their graves and entered the city. The apostles now had sufficient faith to trust in Jesus' promises. I will be with you to the end of the age. I will send another advocate, the Holy Spirit, to guide you. Because the disciples trusted in Jesus, they also trusted in the promised power of the Holy Spirit. And that's the key. The Holy Spirit is how we continue to have access to Jesus Christ. She is how we can know how to build the kingdom of God. So do you remember your homework from last week? Remember I gave homework? You were supposed to pray with the Holy Spirit? Did anybody do the homework? Okay, well, like many UT professors before me, another tradition, I'm extending the deadline on the homework. Okay, do it by next week, okay? The, 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 the readings will make a lot more sense next week. Okay, Father Charlie has the mass, but just you can all tell him how wonderful it was because you were praying with the Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and renew the face of the earth.